Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're in Luke chapter 17 now. We're specifically looking at the teaching of Jesus, which goes from about chapter 12 up to about chapter 19. And we're at chapter 17, and again, so the focus is shifting now. He's turning away from discussing the Pharisees and the attitudes of the self-righteous. He's going to now talk about you and I as believers, those who are disciples of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ. And he's going to talk about the obligations that we have as believers. Now you might be saying, well wait a minute, hold on a second there, George, what do you mean obligations? Because I thought thought salvation was a free gift. I thought that once you come to Jesus, that's it, you're forgiven, you're heaven bound. What's this stuff about obligations? I thought you didn't have to work for your salvation. You're right, you don't. You don't have to do anything for salvation other than believe that he did it for you. But here's the problem. Many of us, we just kind of stop right there and don't realize that Jesus then comes along and tells us that because of salvation, which is free, you now have obligations on your part because he bought you. He gave his life for you. And the salvation that you freely have received now requires you to live differently, to to live differently towards others. We're going to see that in the passage. He's going to tell us some specific things that we need to do towards each other. But then also towards God. See, it's not just, I'm saved, I can do whatever I want to do now. Woo! But there's a responsibility that you have for being a part of His family. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think we can all comprehend that because how many of you grew up in a family? I think everybody here grew up in a family, right? Now, how many of you had a family where mom and dad basically said, hey, you're a part of the family. We'll just see you when you grow up. Just enjoy yourself. We'll see you later. Do whatever you want to do. How many of you grew up in a family like that? Nobody, huh? How many of you grew up in a family where you had rules? You had chores? You had responsibilities because you were a part of the family. And in some of you, your family you had you grew up in, you had responsibilities just because you carried that family name. How many of you grew up in a home like that? So everybody understands that when you're a part of a family, there are responsibilities, right? Same thing with about being the family of God. Look, you can be freely brought into the family of God through salvation. But there's obligations. And so as we get into chapter 17 here, we're going to be looking at the first ten verses there. So notice with me chapter 17. Notice what Luke writes. Then he, speaking of Jesus, said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. 
And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Pull yourself up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him, when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down and eat? But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did these things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. So folks, we can take this passage here. It seems like a mixture of different teachings, but really it's got a, it's got a cohesion to it. I'm going to show it to you here in a moment. And basically break it down into two sections. We're going to see, first of all, our obligations towards others. We're going to see that in verses 1 to 4. We're going to see the obligations that we have towards others around us. And there's some interesting things that he brings out here. And then we're going to see what our obligations are towards God. So first of all, our obligation towards others. I want you to notice with me verse 17. very first thing he says there. It's impossible that no offense should come. The word offense there is, comes from the Greek word scandalon, which also means like temptation. It's impossible that the temptation to sin not come. So I want you to see that that temptations to sin are inevitable. So let's just go ahead and put that one right down there. So as you are dealing with other people, you need to recognize that there are going to be temptations to sin. So don't think it's weird that you're facing temptations in your life, whatever they may be. And let's be honest, for every one of us, they may be similar, but they are different. And here's what Jesus is saying. So you've got to understand, so that let's free some of us up here, because some of us are like, oh, God must not love me anymore because I'm tempted all the time. No, no, Jesus is saying right here in this passage, temptations to sin are inevitable, period. Everybody understand that? Let's say that together. Temptations to sin are inevitable. You guys believe that? Just live life. You'll see it. You're going to be tempted. But he goes one step further, and you say, okay, well, how's responsibility to others. Well, he continues on there in verse 1 and he tells us something very interesting that you and I need to grasp. Look at what he says there. But woe to him through whom they do come. Woe to him through whom they do come. What is he talking about here? Woe to the guy through whom temptations come. What's he saying here? Causing others to sin will be punished. Man, that is so missing from us today. You know, we live in the liberation age. We live in in the freedom world. We live in America where everybody can do what they want and everybody can just do whatever. I'm free. I have freedom in Jesus. I can do whatever I want to do. I don't need to suffer to that legalism thing. And let's be honest, I've been in the legalism thing. This church has been in the legalism thing where there was a rule for everything. Can't do this. Can't go there. Can't do this. Blah, blah, blah. And let's be honest, a lot of those rules were man-made rules, not coming out of the Scripture, although they said they came out of the Scripture. And what has happened is, is because we react to one extreme, we swing to the other extreme, which is, well, we can do whatever we want to do. Because I have freedom in Jesus. But Jesus wants to bring us back down to reality 
He's not telling us to go to the extreme of legalism, but he wants us to live with a responsibility, with an obligation. And the obligation is, is that if I'm causing somebody else to sin, I'm going to be punished. If my behavior or the activity that I engage in, yeah, I may have freedom to do whatever, woo! But if I'm leading somebody else astray, it's going to be dealt with. In fact, let me just stop for a moment. Look at that word there. But woe! Oh, now hold on a second. What does that word woe mean? I think we have an understanding. Woe! Like, man, something terrible is going to happen. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's not like, whoa! No, it's like, whoa! Serious! This is serious! But woe to the one through whom they do come. Woe to the guy who's tempting others to go into sin. Who's leading others into sin. Because they will be punished. In fact, look with me. Verse 2, it talks about how severe it is. This is how severe the punishment is. He said, it would be better... If a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, then he offend one of these little ones. Now, the little ones there is not necessarily a reference to children, but with reference to spiritual immaturity. So it would be better if a millstone... Now, how many of you have ever seen a millstone? You ever seen a millstone? Sometimes I like, I like old mills. Even if they're not working, just water pouring over them. I just like old mills. Well, inside these old mills, you usually see, and it's like a huge millstone that they use for graining. I mean, and a lot of times you'll see the old stone. Maybe it's broken or whatever. They'll, they'll have them on display to show you what an old millstone was. Now, here's what Jesus is saying. It's like having one of those chained to your neck and then somebody tossing you in the sea. What do you think happens when that happens? Do you float? No. It's the biblical form of cement shoes, folks. This is what he's saying. The punishment is severe. If you lead somebody else astray, there's punishment. So what does that mean? Let's stop for a moment. We're talking about our obligations towards others. Here's what it means to me. When I read that, here's what it means to me. You need to grasp the biblical point here. I don't just live towards myself. See, that's a concept we have in our culture. Is that I live towards myself. But the Bible says you don't just live towards yourself. How you live your life affects others around you. I think we all realize that we just kind of blow that out of our minds a little bit. How you live your life affects others around you. And if you're going to cause those who are the little ones, the spiritually immature, to stumble, woe to you. Woe to you. In fact, he goes on and he says, look, because of that, because I have an obligation towards others, look at what he says in verse 3, take heed to yourselves. What's he saying here? Get serious about your life. Think about the progression of how the discussion is going here. It's just not a, it's just not a, just a mishmash of sayings here. He says a couple things. So he says, number one, you're going to be tempted to sin. That's inevitable. But don't be the guy that's tempting others to sin because you're going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to deal with the punishment. So you, you, temptations are similar there. Don't be the one that's leading others to sin. And then he goes one step further. He said, so therefore, because you've got to be aware of your life and the fact that it might be affecting others, you need to get serious about your life. You need to get serious about how you're living your life. And he'll help you do it. And so you've got to make that decision. Get serious about your life. Get serious. And then he goes one step further. Because this is where it gets to. The rubber meets the road when we talk about dealing with each other. Look with me. Verse 3. 
If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Here's what he wants us to do. Lovingly confront sin in the lives of others. See, in this freedom world that we live in, where I can do whatever I want to do, here's the most common thing that we hear said in the freedom world. Who are you to judge me? Have you heard that one? How many of you have said that? I've done said that. Usually I say that is when somebody wants to infringe upon my freedom. But this is not what Jesus is talking about here. See, I am obligated to you because of salvation, because of the freedom that I have, that if you sin against me, if you do wrong, that I'm to lovingly go to you. Galatians 6.1 is still in the Bible, folks. What? If, you, if someone is caught in sin, what? You who are spiritual, who are, what? Go to him in gentleness and meekness, seeking to restore that one, recognizing that you could do the same thing. That's a George Cannon paraphrase, but that's what Galatians 6.1 says. That I'm going to go to them with gentleness and meekness, not go to them wagging a finger, but go to them lovingly to restore them. What, restore them to what? Their relationship with Jesus, to a right walk with them recognizing what? That if, you know, given the same circumstances, the right situation, I could probably do the same thing. But I'm no no better. And this is the point that he's making here. It's that somebody sins against you, you go to them and you rebuke them. You go to them and you correct them. You go to them and say, hey, you're not doing right. Do you realize that? And folks, most of the time, they know they're not. And here's what he says. If they repent, you forgive them. But we have to lovingly confront the sin in others' lives. That's our obligation. I don't know about that, George. Well, here, hold on a second. Let me explain something to you. I'm a dad. I got four kids. And if, 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 if somebody's not doing right in the home, how many of you know this as parents? If you've got one child who's not doing right in the home, how's the harmony in the home? Is there harmony? Now, here's, if, I, if I as a dad... If I've got somebody who's not doing right and I don't confront it, lovingly confront it for their good, and I just let them go and do whatever they're going to do, what kind of problems am I going to have? Am I going to have harmony? Is it going to affect everybody else? Is it going to do them any good? I mean, we're all on the same page here, right? So therefore, I have an obligation to them as well as others to do what? To confront it. To deal with it. To lovingly deal with it. And then if they repent, then I what? Forgive. See, this is the point that Jesus is saying. You know, here's the reality. We want to think that we live by ourselves. And I got freedom now. I got salvation. I could do whatever I want. Whee! But that's not life. I'm accountable to everybody. Have you noticed that? You're accountable to everybody. It's not just yourself. You're accountable to somebody else. Who are you talking about, George? Well, I mean, let's take it down to the basics. If you're married, you're accountable to your spouse. You're accountable to your kids. If you got a job, you're accountable to the boss, whoever writes the paycheck. If your own boss, you're still accountable to somebody. Chances are it's the government. But you're accountable. And every one of us is accountable. If you're, a, if you're a member of a church, you're accountable to the other folks in the church. And we have a responsibility to what? Lovingly confront others. Now here's why. 
But if I'm going to do that, verse 4 tells me this. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Here's what he's saying. Be ready to forgive. Jesus gives us an extreme case here. And some of you say, that's not extreme. That's what I live with all the time. Well, fine. Listen to what he's saying. He's saying here, if you've got a guy who does you wrong, and then he comes back to you and says, I'm sorry, you've got to forgive him. Even if he does you wrong seven times in a day, and then seven times in that same day says to you, I'm sorry, you're supposed to forgive. Now immediately some of you are like, are you kidding me? Who could do that? Well, just hold on a second. We'll get to that in a minute. But the reality is, is that you need to forgive. You need to forgive. So here's my obligations. I'm going to recognize that temptation is real around me. So I'm going to be aware because here's the thing. If I lead others to sin, if I lead others to, to cause them to do wrong, I'm going to be punished for that. So I've got to get serious about my life. And then I'm also going to be aware of where others are at. And if they need to confront it, I'm going to confront them. But if they're, if they're willing to repent, if they're going to ask for forgiveness, I need to be willing to forgive. Period. You say, why do I got to do this forgiveness thing? Because Jesus said this. Forgive as you've been forgiven because he forgave you. So you say, okay, boy, that's, that's really tough now. How, how, do I, how do I do that? Well, I want you to notice something because now you understand why they asked the question in verse 5. When you look at verse 5, we're getting in that responsibility towards God. Here's what the apostle said. And the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. I mean, they're looking at these responsibilities. I mean, I've got to be careful how I live so that I don't lead others astray. I mean, I've got to be serious about my own self. I've got to, I've got to confront people about their stuff. And if, they, and if they do me wrong, I've got to be willing to forgive them. That's almost impossible. How can I do that? I've got, can you see them? They're exasperated. I can, because it exasperates me. Where do I have the faith to live that kind of life? How do I live? How, wow. That's their question. What's going on here? There is a tendency to see faith as lacking. We have that tendency. I hear it all the time. Oh, if, if, you would just, if God would just increase my faith, then I would be able to do it. How many of you have ever heard things like that? I just don't have the faith to do that, Jesus. You're asking a lot of me. There's that tendency. The tendency is to see faith as lacking. And especially to see it as lacking when it comes to dealing with other people. God, I don't want to deal with them because they have plucked my last nerve. You know what I'm talking about? Here's what I want you to see. Here's our obligation. Jesus says this. It's interesting. He comes along and he says an interesting thing that in the English makes no sense at all because we're like, well, he's not answering the question. But if you understand what the original language is saying here, it comes right out. Look at what he says there. Verse 6. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, pull yourself up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Huh? We just asked for you to increase our faith, and you're telling us what we could do if our faith was just a little teeny. What are you talking about here? Well, let me explain to you. In the Greek language, first of all, an if-then statement is a conditional statement. Does everybody understand? Remember that from grammar in high school? But it's a conditional statement. But in the Greek language, there are three types of conditional statements. I'm not going to bore you with what they are. I'm going to tell you what this one is. This is what they call an implied reality. What does that mean, George? Well, the first part, the condition part, the if part, is an implied reality. So when Jesus says, if you have 
faith as a mustard seed. That's an implied reality. He's saying you have the faith as a mustard seed. It's not the issue of increasing your faith. You have faith just like with a mustard seed. But here's the thing. If you have that kind of faith, which you do, you'll be able to say to stuff, do this, and it will happen. The issue isn't that you don't have faith. Here's the point. The issue is utilizing the faith you have. That's the implied reality here. The issue isn't that you don't have enough faith. He's saying you have faith just like a little seed of mustard. Has anybody ever seen a mustard seed? It's pretty small. But he's saying with that size of a faith, you can do anything with Jesus. The reality, the implied reality is, is you have the faith, you need to utilize it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need to exercise it. You need to put trust in Him. Now, maybe the problem is, is that we have a, a, maybe a wrong definition of what faith is, because sometimes we think of faith, oh, well, we know, what is that? Just belief? No, here's, here's a definition for you. Faith is a belief, a trust in, and a commitment to the revealed Word of God in spite of hindrances, obstacles, and circumstances that seem otherwise. Because here's what it is. Faith really has to do with what you believe in, how committed you are in to God. And in spite of what you're facing, in spite of the obstacles, in spite of how impossible it seems to be able to forgive someone, you're going to trust in God to see you through it. You're going to be committed to God and what He wants and His revealed Word to see you through it. Do you understand? That's what faith is. You and I already have that. The issue is exercising it. We need to exercise it. It's talking about the strength to persevere in life day by day to do the things He's telling you to do. Because here's the thing. He tells us things to do that are impossible by ourselves, but He through us, we can accomplish them. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when you face that circumstance where you maybe need to forgive someone and it seems impossible because it isn't the seventh time, it's the 700th time. And you're like, I don't know that I can do this 701 times. It's your faith in what God's telling you to do that will carry you through it. This is what he's saying here. The issue is utilizing the faith that you have. He then goes on and says that this is our responsibility. Because he then launches into another... It's like, where are you going in this discussion, Jesus? Because he launches into this parable about a servant. Look with me, verse... Seven. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him, when he has come in from the field, come at once, sit down to eat? But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did the things that he was commanded him? I think not. So likewise... When you have done all these things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done what is our duty to do. Here's what I want you to see. Obedience is not for merit, but a duty. My being obedient, my fulfilling my obligations to Jesus, is not about merit, it's not for the attaboy later on, but it's my duty. It's my responsibility. So this is what he's saying here. He says, he, how do you know he's saying that? Well, look, think about it. He's saying, look, which of you has a servant? Now, none of us have servants here. 
but just come along with me for the, for the journey of the picture, okay? Let's say you did have servants, and you've got the lower 40 filled with sheep, or you got the top 40 filled with corn or whatever, so they're tending your garden, or they're tending your sheep, and so they come in from a long day in this 90-degree weather we've been having, working, slaving, sweating to death. They come in from taking care of your stuff, he says, how many of you will say to them, oh, well, you know, you've done a great job today. Just come on in here and sit down with me and have dinner. He says, no, you're not going to do that. You're going to say, hey, you had a hard day? Good. Get my meal ready. Isn't that what it's saying? Get my meal ready. I want it done by 6. I know it's 5.30, but you've got 30 minutes. Move. And then when he brings you your meal, you don't say, thank you, because he's your servant. You tell them, okay, you go get you whatever's left in the kitchen, go ahead. This is the picture Jesus is giving us. The issue is obedience, not because you're doing it for an attaboy. The issue is you're doing it because it's your duty. This is the picture he wants us to see about our obligation towards God. Our service towards God isn't for attaboys, folks. Our obligation towards God and how we live our life because of salvation isn't because we're doing it for a reward. It's because he told us to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you say, okay, George, how do, how do we apply all this? Because, boy, there's a lot of teaching there. My obligations towards others. My obligations towards, towards God. How, how do we apply this? Well, I've got two questions for you, and then I'm going to give you an action point for you to think about this week. Number one, how are you interacting with others? What do you mean? Well, I want you to think about your relationships. All of us have them here. You have people that you come in contact with on a daily basis, some of them on a weekly basis. How, how are you interacting with the people on your daily basis? So, you know, when you think about what Jesus is telling us here, you've got to ask yourself, number one, are you leading people astray? That's serious, isn't it? How are you interacting with people? You need to be aware. Get serious about your life. This is what he's saying. Here, here's the other thing about interacting with people. Who, who's done you wrong lately? Who can't you forgive? See, how are you interacting with others? Here's the other one. Is your faith expressed in obedience? You say you love Jesus. You say He's your Savior. You know Him. Well, how, how's that faith expressed? Are you doing what He tells you to do? Are you exercising that faith? Do you trust Him to get you through the stuff that you're going through? Is your faith expressed in obedience? Are you doing what he says? Are you exercising that faith? So then, here's what you need to do. Here's your action point. For today, from this point on, you need to be aware of your relationship with God and others. You are not an island to yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're not an island to yourself. You need to be aware of where you are at in your relationships with other people around you. Are you doing what God told you to do with them? And you need to be aware of where you are at in your relationship with God. Period. Because it's not about you. You're not the center of the universe. See, when it's about me, when stuff doesn't go my way, it's a crisis. Same thing for you. Look at the stuff that bothers you. Ten times out of ten times, it's usually about when it doesn't go your way. So how, be aware of your relationship with God. So, you know what, on the back of the bulletin there, what's God showing you today? So let's, let's, let's really ask God, God, you know this week's a new week. I am not a free spirit. 
How many live in mind with a mindful thought towards my obligations towards others and towards you? Help me. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.